cats and rabbits would reside in fancy little houses and be dressed in shoes and hats and trousers. Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with vintage pop and jazz vocalist, songwriter, and actress Kat Edmondson. Her latest 2020 CD, Dreamers Do, is a story for all of those that dream of a different path in life. The album explores the shared human struggle around daring to dream, and it illuminates a range of emotional and psychological consequences that can happen along the way. She was born and raised in Houston as the only child of a single mother who enjoyed the songs from the Great American Songbook. She wrote her first song at the age of nine while riding on the school bus, and over her career, she has tasted the American Idol limelight and was an opening act for Lyle Lovett and credits him as a big mentor. And she appeared on one of the final episodes of The Late Show with David Letterman. She's full of great insights and stories, so please get to know her and dig this interview, my friends. Kat, thank you for taking a minute out for Neon Jazz. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to talking about your career and your latest album, Dreamers Do. Thanks. I'm so glad to talk with you. So let's let's start off with uh, Dreamers Do, kind of orchestrated around originals and the American Songbook, One Sleepless Night. So I'll kind of let you take over and give me kind of an orchestration, so to speak, verbally of what your artistic approach was for this project. The album takes place over the course of A Sleepless Night. So it begins with an invitation to dream. The second song in the album, incidentally, is entitled Go to Sleep. Um, it's a song from um, the movie Babes in Toyland, the Disney classic that came out in the 50s with Annette Funicello. Yeah. And um, and the album um, leads one, a, a, the listener, on a nocturnal journey all the way up through the morning. Uh, it, it was designed to to be an experiential record, and so there's interludes on the record and... And it, hardly anyone listens this way anymore, you know, like all the way through an album. But if one does actually sit down, they'll they'll have an entire experience as though they were, you know, sitting down to watch a show or, or a movie or something. But there are some original songs on there, one that I wrote entitled Too Late to Dream. And the whole record is about our concepts around dreaming and all of the wonderful things that we experience dreaming and, and also the like frightening things that come along with, with dreaming and dreaming in the sense of, you know, going to sleep and having a night's dream and also what it is to project into one's future and one's wishes and hopes. And I particularly love this subject and I'm hoping that it will allow me to engage in a lot of conversations with a lot of different people around about dreaming. Um, but there are also uh, songs from the Great American Songbook on there. There's a tune from Singing in the Rain, All I Do is Dream of You. And and the bulk of the repertoire is actually sourced from mid-century Disney films, you know, vintage Disney films. And it was really fun going combing through all of that old music. Absolutely. I love the concept of a story. You know, I, I mean... You see that in albums, and I think it I think it says a lot about the artist that decides to do that. Like, for instance, I don't know if you've heard the new Coldplay album where it starts with Sunrise, and it's, you know, it's kind of a full revolution 
and it, it's a story. And I think there's a lot of that that kind of harkens back to the uh, older days of vinyl. I mean, you sat down and you got kind of pulled into, you know, the artist's representation of what they wanted to do, start to finish. Is that kind of a mentality of this, that you really want someone to not just take certain songs from your recording, but like really feel the whole immersion of it? Definitely. That's my great desire. But I'm also in touch with the fact that everyone's listening to playlists and and things. So each song, you know, stands on its own. It's its own vignette, if you will. But I love personally the experience of a vinyl record. Um, and incidentally, this album is on, on vinyl. But And it's a double record. But it's um, it's so nice to sit with the intention of doing nothing but listening and the music is not a means to anything but itself to turn on the record and to play it and have the tactile experience of you know putting down the needle and then picking it up and flipping the side and reading the notes and looking at the art it's just it's a pastime for me and and I'm so glad that it's kind of fashionable again you were you're from Houston um single mother, only child. Give me kind of an idea of how you kind of gotten interwoven into this world of music. My whole family is rather musical, although no one really pursued it as a career. Um, so we're all just lovers of music, and it's not uncommon, um, especially in the past, um, that my family, would, if they would get together, might be sitting around a table and start singing songs together or... Um, you know, making instruments out of pots and pans and whatnot. But um, my mom is a wonderful singer. When she was in her 20s, she used to go and sit in with jazz bands. Again, never pursued it, but but that passion she brought forward into our home. So she would be constantly listening to great music, great old records or... Um, or have on an old movie that had fantastic music in it. And and I began to learn um, the great songs of the American Songbook. And I also got to listen to her sing along with the records and the films that we were watching and listen to her phrasing and how she approached the song. And she uh, has undoubtedly been a, a major influence on my singing. So what about mentors? Who would you credit as somebody that really gave you great advice that's rang true all the way to this day? Well, my first musical partner uh, co-produced my first album with me, Take to the Sky. His name's Kevin Lovejoy. And he he's a pianist, first and foremost, but he has a real mind for music business. And he was older than me and had been in the business touring with, like, platinum artists for a while before we met and so he gave me great insight into starting my career and it was actually when I met him that I actually quit my day job and, and, and became a musician and, and followed a lot of his advice. I'm one of those people that, it, you know, I'm, I like to be a student, particularly of, of people worth, you know, learning from and so if someone gives me a suggestion, it's, it's easy for me to ap- apply it do it, you know, and not without any hesitation um, in gratitude of, of their help. And um, and that in turn has gotten me really far. Another person that 
has helped me along the way uh, was Lyle Lovett uh, early on in my career. He heard my first album and uh, took me out on the road with him and his band and allowed me to see the inner workings of a, a big touring act like that and, and was available for questions that I had upon the release of my first record and, and moving into my recording career. So those people have been invaluable to me and everyone in between that has has offered their uh, advice. There's another guy, Bruce Lenball, um, who used to run Blue Note Records. He recently passed away. We were very close, and he allowed me to ring him whenever I had a question, and we would visit together, and um, I'm most grateful. So what was one of the first live jazz shows that you ever saw that made you think, wow, this is... This is it. That's a great question. Uh, I I didn't see live jazz. Uh, well, the first live jazz show actually, funny, it was when I was uh, in second grade. So I was um, seven years old. Uh, my mom and my eighty-some-odd-year-old godmother took us to see the Ink Spots playing wow. at a nightclub in Houston, and. Wow. Um, and I was just bowled over, and I was I was like, wow, I can't believe this is allowed. I can't believe mm. this <laughs> exists, especially on a school night, because I went on a school night, and I was probably up past my bedtime. But um, I don't think I saw another live jazz show until I started singing. So I think the next time was actually when I went down to a jazz jam, uh, that someone mentioned to me was going on in Austin, Texas, uh, and I had a lot of nerve. I thought, well, I sing, I sing the Great American Songbook. You know, I I learn these songs. I sing them in my house, and I could sing it on a stage. And I went down to this jam, and I saw these guys playing, and I asked if I could sit in, and it, I I ended up sitting in at the end of the night. That kind of made me wait through the whole night before I could get up. And everyone had already left the club, but I I stood up and I sang Stormy Weather and and they invited me back the next week. And that's actually how I got my start. So in between, I was just listening to music on records and watching it on TV. You know, the one thing that us, you know, regular people that aren't in the industry hear about is American Idol and how much it's been interwoven into the music industry and just our, our, our consciousness as, as, a, as a public. And I know that you had some time. What, how, how much did that help you and groom you and get you in distant positions that, that were advantageous? I have to say the only way it actually helped me was it gave me insight into how show business works, how specifically how television works, which is a totally different animal than making a, a, a living as a musician. Um, there's The general public has an idea of how it's really glorious to think of fame as happening in this overnight way, in this sensational kind of picked out of a crowd and then made a star the next day. Really rarely, rarely ever happens. Um, yeah. In fact, even the, the show itself, I went through many, many auditions before the audition that was aired on television. So they don't show like all of the auditions you do on American Idol before you actually, before the cameras, you know, start rolling and they, and they, and they air it. 
I learned um, that TV needs to be fast, and there needs to be a quick thing that you say, and that you should wear something extraordinary, and and also it's a lot of times it's luck of the draw. TV requires like really sensational things, so highly nuanced behavior or anything subtle that someone might do doesn't really read well on TV. It, it's the bigger the louder, the better, you know? Was it always going to be your path to be a musician, a professional musician, or did you have other dreams? Well, I, I did have other dreams. I do have another dream. Um, I've always intended to pursue music, um, but I also have always intended to act. And I'm an actress. I've, I've studied acting. I studied Meisner at the William Esper Studio in Manhattan, and for anyone that's not familiar with Meisner, it's a it's a method of acting like the method or or other other approaches that people take. And um, I've had some opportunities. I was in a Woody Allen film. I was in a another film that plays regularly on the Hallmark Channel. Both times that I was there on the film sets, I felt so at home, the same way I do on a stage playing with my band, that um, I, I feel certain that it's a route that I have to go. It's something I have to follow. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, without a doubt. So I guess I'm going to combine this question into two things. You know, as an actress and as a singer, what do you like the best about being an entertainer, about being in that position where you're giving people that minute to kind of escape through your art? I like to give my audience the opportunity to see themselves in what it is that I'm offering, uh, which is essentially making a connection, right? A very personal connection. That my shows are very intimate, and I'm quite vulnerable there on stage. I'm I'm pretty open. I like to tell stories, and I like I like to go there. My hope is at the end of the night that someone recognizes themselves somewhere in the in the music, somewhere in the show, and and carries that inspiration forward. So you were on one of the final in the in the last run that Letterman was on TV. You had the chance to perform. What was that like to be a part of that? Oh, that was great. You know, when I learned that Letterman was going off the air, I was disappointed that I had never been on the show and then I got asked to perform and I was thrilled and um and I love it but that was a great that was a great time got to meet him and he was really nice let me ask you this you know we all have these moments in life you know wherever and however that just are magical or we'll never forget them and you have this chance yeah. to perform in front of people was there a particular performance that you put on and you got off stage and you were just blown away? Like, wow, I, that's, was there, was there something yes. like that in your career? What was that? Yes. One of the highlights of my career, um, I, I sang for a Prince tribute at Carnegie Hall and um, it was a really crazy night. The Roots were the backing band, and all of these celebrities were singing 
Prince songs in tribute to him, and this was actually before Prince passed away. Carnegie Hall was turned into like a rock venue that night. It was so raucous, and everyone was partying and having a great time. But I had chosen this really stripped-down ballad. I sang The Beautiful Ones, and my pianist and I walked out on stage, and he started playing the first few notes, and then I began to sing, and suddenly there was a hush over the crowd, and you could have heard a pin drop. In fact, it felt like you could hear everyone holding their breath for a second. And and I sang the song, and the audience erupted, and Questlove came out, and um, Wendy from Wendy and Lisa came out and gave me a hug, and I walked back to a room full of famous people that I've been watching my whole life, <laughs> and it was, you know, people were shaking my hand, and, and I just, I was absolutely speechless, and it's still just, when I reflect on it, the, one of the most thrilling things I've ever experienced. It was amazing. That answers the reason why I asked this question. That's wonderful. That is absolutely wonderful. So why do you love jazz? You know, the, for the purposes of our show being a jazz show, I just want to know why do you love jazz? I love it because of the free and improvisational nature of it. Also, it comes from the most remarkable repertoire, in my opinion, that exists. So there's just this, uh, I mean, not, I mean, and there's plenty of new music. I write new jazz songs myself, but where it was born, um, it, there's, there's such a, a rich, wellspring of of music that initiated with this art form and i it's it's the free nature of it i mean it's the way it was born it was born out of like bold-faced no holds barred expression like no one could hold back the first jazz musicians and i'm really comfortable improvising in fact i i never feel comfortable singing the song the same way twice because everything is always about answering the moment, being in the moment. And and every moment feels differently, and I like to speak to that. And there's so much room to do that in jazz. You're not confined. So let's say a jazz DeLorean pulls up in front of your house, and you can punch in the digits to any time, any place. Who are you going to go see? Where are you going? Oh, my God. Um, oh, I love this question. Um, oh, wow. I, I want to see Ella Fitzgerald, and I want to yeah. sit right there, <laughs> right <laughs> at the front. I mean, I marvel at what she could do on a recording, and I can't imagine what kind of energy it might be like, you know, to experience right sitting right there in front of her. So everything is going to come down to this. Everyone has a perception of who they think you are, your family, your friends, your fans, but you're living your life. You know you. Tell me, who do you think you are? Well, just recently, I'm kind of liberated in the idea that I don't have to know. I think I'm a truth teller, and I think I'm, I think I'm there for, to hold the truth for people. 
and um, for them to find it in themselves and them to, to see it. And and for myself, it's I love to experience like I don't ever want to run away from what's happening. I I want to see it, and I want to recognize it and acknowledge it for what it is. And I and that takes courage, seemingly, but it's actually it's actually inherent in all of our nature. And I I guess that's me. That's that's what I care about. Yeah, thank you for opening up about the new album, about your career in music. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm so glad to talk with you. Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest singers in New York City, Houston, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Kat for her time, music, and stories. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.